Welcome to the first episode of... So are the Giants or what? I'm Luke, and I've got three other people here. Good delivery of the title. I know, I'm a really good host. I'm John. Hello. Hi, I'm also John. Oh, that's confusing. I'm, I'm actually going to have to go by Bono now. I actually, <laughs> I, right. I appreciate the uh, parallelism we have here. We're covering They Might Be Giants, and we have two podcasters named John. It's perfect. And I'm Ian. I'm not John. Ah. I don't know. We might have to... Maybe if you go by Dan and I go by Marty, we can really just continue. We can do this. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we are going to figure out once and for all. We're going to answer the question of whether or not the band They Might Be Giants are giants. And we're going to do it by listening to all their music. And then making a judgment call. Right? That's about what we're doing, right? Yeah, yep. this question has bothered me for a long time, personally. Yeah. So, uh, I think, before I talk about what we're doing here, actually, uh, basically, you talking you two to me just ended, and a couple of us like it, and we said, we should, we should just rip that off wholesale with a band we like. So, here we are. Yeah. It's gonna be just like that, except... Probably Ter- less funny. Terrible, yeah. Listen, yeah, except bad. It's not very good, but they're not recording episodes anymore, so we don't have competition. That's true. Yeah. For now. Right, for now. now. You know, when the day comes that U2 releases a new album and that signal goes up for, uh, for those actual professional comedians to do this shtick, well, then we're in trouble. But until that, then... That day is not today. That day is not today. Until then, we've got this market cornered. Yeah, that's weird for me, especially, because I really don't listen to They Might Be Giants. Yeah, but that's that's why we need you here. You are our, uh, you know, newcomer's perspective. Yeah. So, that's that's easy, an easy intro for me. I don't know, basically, anything about They Might Be Giants, except for what I saw on Tiny Toons as a child. Yeah, I, I uh, think we're all in roughly the same age group, and I think basically everyone our age... That was our first exposure to this band, was uh, yep. that musical Tiny Toons episode that had videos for uh, Istanbul and uh, Or Istanbul, Man. yeah. Yeah. And Particle I say, Man. no, sir. No, sir. Really? I was given a tape of first albums. Really? The first well. Name of the Giants album from my uncle. Well, all right then. See, my first experience was actually with the Courage the Cowardly Dog music video they did. Oh, so you came to it a bit later than that. Yeah, like, I watched Tiny Toons as a kid, but I have no memory of their work with that. I get you. Well, from watching it, you wouldn't know. It's not as though they're prominent in any way in the context of the episode. Well, what it was, that episode was like 10... Uh, pop songs that were popular at the time done up with Tiny Tune shit. And they were introducing them as like, here's such and such by so and so. And They Might Be Giants was the only band that had two songs on there. And I I remember like when the second one comes up, they're like, I, who are these people? I don't... <laughs> like, here, here's... Well, yeah, it's like, here's Istanbul, yeah, but they Their band name doesn't even tell you. Yeah. It, it introduces another question. It, it it's adds, infuriating. It adds a... It gives you a potential vector into who they might be. Which is Giants. Yeah. Uh, so, no, we are going to just sort of chronologically go through the the discography of this band. And uh, John, the Bono John, is going to be hearing these albums for the first time as we discuss them. And that's going to be really special. 
let's just nip this in the bud ahead of time. Just call me John Ham or Ham is fine. Okay. My, my last name is Hamilton. It's a common way people refer to me. I kind of like Bono John, though. That sounds nice. Bono Jono? Oh, just call me Jono. Jono. Okay, yes. Oh, that's so All right. good. Okay, that's what we're doing. All right, Jono and John. Good, good, good. So what I'm curious about, I, I don't have a lot of experience with this band. I, I like to think of myself as a minor connoisseur, although I try to stay really humble about my musical tastes. Uh, so I have a lot of strong musical opinions. Uh, my favorite band is probably the Talking Heads. I don't, I don't really know how to summarize my musical taste. Sure. Uh, I mean, you're, you're... But that's... A, a light in the dark, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, you you introduced this by basically saying you're a snooty musical jackass. So that's the kind of thing you would say is that you can't actually describe your tastes. Yeah, yeah exactly. It fits. I, I I like something when it gives me an opportunity to belittle you personally. Yeah, there you go. That's the gold standard. Yeah, but I want to know what 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 you guys describe what you like about They Might Be Giants, like why they're an important band to you. Because I'm curious about that as someone who hasn't had them in my life. Like, how have they gotten their hooks in you, so to speak? Okay, so when you're super young, you just like them because they're weird songs that sound funny. And then as I grow up, you start noticing more and more about it. Especially some of the songs that sound like they have no meaning behind them, but actually do have deeper meanings and often sometimes depressing meanings. Oh, yeah. I, we'll talk about that today, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Definitely. All right. And what about you, John? See, I'd say I'm pretty much also a uber music nerd, snobby guy. But the thing is, They Might Be Giants were actually the first band I really got into. So, like, it's funny because all the time growing up, like in grade school, I really didn't listen to music at all. Like, mm-hmm. it was something I was aware of, but... I just never really found an interest in it. And somehow or another, I saw that Courage the Cowardly Dog video, so they were on my radar. And then, actually, it was later with the Homestar Runner music video they did. Yes. Is when, yes, is when I actually was like, this is actually really cool. I'm going to, like, find out more about this. And I just fell down the rabbit hole. And I should say, I remember seeing that video when it came out, although I didn't recall it earlier. Uh, okay. And that is a good song. Oh, yeah. That I'm, I'm aware of. That yeah, I yeah. can recall. As soon as you said Homestar Runner, I thought experimental film. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm in a similar oh. boat. All through um, middle school, the only musician I listened to was Weird Al, who is a great musician, but <laughs> maybe not the one to hone in on as your only source of music. In retrospect, it's really obvious why I was incessantly bullied in middle school. <laughs> but, uh... No, uh, so what ended up happening for me is uh, between the Looney Tunes thing and that Homestar video and, like, channel surfing in the middle of the night one night and happening on, like, uh, the documentary Gigantic, The Tale of Two Johns on VH1, I'm getting, like, a lot of signs from just the universe that maybe I should listen to this band. And uh, at the time, I think I was, I must have been a freshman in high school, and Pepsi was doing this ad campaign... Uh, this promotion with iTunes, which must have been pretty new at that point. But they were really harping on, you know, all the stuff with, like, the RIAA suing people over pirating music was really big in the news at that point. 
and they were, their ad campaign was really capitalizing on that. Like, they had that little girl that got sued. Like, thanks to Pepsi, I can download all the music I want. Which I think is amazing still. But uh, what they were doing was every Pepsi bottle cap had a code for a free song from iTunes. And our school had uh, Pepsi products in its vending machine. So me and a friend would go around the school at the end of the day and dig through all of the trash cans for all of the Pepsi bottle caps and split them up wow. and take them home. And I got wow. and a true American <laughs> rags to riches tale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So from that point, I was like, okay, I have all this uh, free music I can get now. I guess I should start checking out this They Might Be Giants people. And, uh, yeah, I probably downloaded a good 300 songs that way. Jeez. Yeah. That is a lot of bottle caps. Yeah. Like I said, you have, you know, a school of about a thousand kids all drinking Pepsis all day. And, you know, most of them are unaware of this promotion. You know, if you're willing to sacrifice your dignity, you can get a lot in this world. Hey, if you do it under cover of night, there's no dignity to be sacrificed. That's exactly true. Until you talk about it on the internet. Right. Yeah, actually, yes. that, that was a uh, no, miscalculation. I mean, I, I think, uh, well, it was no secret. Like, we were not doing it under the cover of night. It would be, me and him would walk into a classroom, and we'd both, like, run to the wastebasket immediately. No one, again, it's really crystal clear in retrospect why I was unpopular. <laughs> but you know what? I got about 300 bucks worth of music out of it, so I'm not complaining. Joke's on them. Joke's on them. <laughs> I can listen to these songs forever. Yeah. I'm like that little girl on that Pepsi ad. I can download all the music I want. But yeah, so for that, like, They Might Be Giants for me was kind of like a gateway into kind of all music. And I kind of wouldn't, if I hadn't started listening to them, it wouldn't have then led me to, like, listen to the Talking Heads and then say, okay, well, I like this kind of music. Let's find something totally different and... I don't know, people like the Beatles, let's try that. Like, and they're just branching out from there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, for me, they're kind of, like, interchangeable with music. That kind of makes a lot of sense to me with the style that I've gotten from what I've listened to thus far. Uh-huh. In that it's it sort of demands your attention. It is a very sure. unique sort of music. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that I imagine if you didn't care about music very much beforehand, it would really, uh pull your ear so to speak yeah definitely definitely uh mm-hmm. and then from there they, they actually have songs with a fair amount of lyrical and structural depth yeah i think that they were also pretty big in like music scenes in the area at least mm-hmm. this is my impression from what little reading i've done uh-huh. um so i imagine it was a good way to get cross-pollination like, definitely going yeah. in through them uh and the weird signal they put out that got into all your brains yeah and mine as a child certainly right um yeah i mean and definitely too a lot of their lyrics have a lot of sort of wordplay to them and just sort of cleverness to them that seems like mind-blowing when you're a teenager yeah like, oh man he's looking out he's flipping them words around oh geez you know um so yeah they are uh they were a a formative band for me and me as well. Yeah. But John Ham Hamilton, John Hamsworth. Yeah. You're an outs- you're an outsider. You're you're a, lo- a lonely traveler 
at the gates of this fortress. Yep. And we're opening it up, and we're beckoning you to come inside. And you don't know whether or not we have the cannons pointed at the inside of that door or not. That is a terrifying metaphor. That's true. I'm really not prepared to process right now. But there could also be, like, cake. It could really, it could be either. You don't know. Okay, so this is a veiled threat. (laughs) Or uh, a promise of eventual cake. Yes. I can't uh, tell which. Yeah, but I'm excited. Well, my point is, you don't know which. Uh, Yeah, so I guess I I don't think we're going to go super deep into the history, but mostly because I don't have the Wikipedia page in front of me. But if I remember correctly, the name "They Might Be Giants" was uh, borrowed originally from a friend of theirs that had a ventriloquist act called that, and uh, he got the name from a 1970s film called They Might Be Giants, which was a retelling of the story of Don Quixote, except with, uh, uh, like, private eyes instead of knights. So They Might Be Giants would be a reference to, like, the windmills in Don Quixote. And I have just stunned all of you into silence with my incredible trivia knowledge. I have heard that. I read that earlier, and I think that is a, a fitting origin for that name. Yeah. And I think it relates to the band in a way, like the idea of absurdity that exists in Don Quixote is definitely present in this music. Sure. And uh, they have also talked about it, because obviously they didn't know, they just liked the sound of the name when they took it, but uh, they've mentioned in interviews that kind of for them the idea is that being kind of, you know, starting out and being young musicians and not really knowing what the hell they're doing and... To them, it's something they're saying to each other that there might be giants out there and we might be fucked. And kind of going forth even not knowing the kind of danger that might be waiting you. That's a that's an interesting interpretation. Yeah. That I am accepting without criticism. Alright then. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> I, I don't get that vibe from them at all. Oh, I don't get I mean, the vibe I, that I they were basically ever quoting, scared about anything. I'm basically quoting one of them, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yes. I Yeah, I wasn't just making that up. That was, like, what John Linnell said in the documentary oh, well, that, about good. them. Good, that's... Uh, then I'm I'm glad that I'm establishing <laughs> myself as a heel. Yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. None no. of the worlds are blending. Yeah. That actually raises an interesting question. I was wondering who is in the band, anyways. Oh, that's true. And true, you two, you talking, you two to me, spirit. We should talk about the members of the band and what instruments they play. So we've got our core members: the two Johns, John Linnell and John Flansburg. They're kind of the guys that started the band, and they're sort of the face of it. John Flansburg is a guitarist. And John Linnell is a keyboardist. They both play other instruments, but those are sort of their primary ones. If John Flansburg doesn't play something with a flange, that just seems like a missed opportunity. I don't think so. He's a, he's a guitarist, and he plays a lot of horn instruments. I think that's it. But I don't well, know. That's, he a plays fl- a... that's a flange. That's a is flange. It? Okay, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What? Oh, a flange is horn. like... Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I think he Flansburg. is also a stick player, if I recall correctly. He does play a metal rod. That's true. He'd fit right in in the cast of Stomp. 
just by slamming it on the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Early on, especially this uh, debut album that we're going to be talking about today, uh, it was just the two of them, and they had a drum machine, and that was it. Just two guys palling around. Yeah. Uh, I've been dudes. And then after Apollo 18 came out, it be, the music they created for that was too complicated for only two people to perform in a live setting, so they got uh, a group called the Band of Dans to join them, which was three people named Dan. So you had two Johns and three Dans for a while. Full house every night. Yep. And uh, eventually the, I don't know his last name, but the, the Dan that was the drummer quit and he got replaced with a fella named Marty Beller. And so that's now the, we got Dan Miller as a second guitarist, Danny Weinkoff as a bassist, and Marty Beller as a drummer. And because I am an Uber nerd, I just want to add it was Dan Hickey that played. Hey, there you go. And he would have been. When did he leave? Because he was on John Henry, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh. I know you want to. You want to call yourself an Uber nerd? You got to know what album you left on. If if this podcast is going to be about anything, it should be about making proclamations about the band that we have not confirmed. Absolutely. Yes. I'm waiting. Okay. Uh, Give I'm us a year gonna... and a month. In 2003. Say... I want a date. He February left in 2003. Okay, so... What color were the leaves? <laughs> All right, 2003, so would... I'm trying to think of when The Spine came out. That was after that, right? Yeah, that was 04. Yes. Okay, so The Spine would have been the first album that Marty Beller was on. Yes. Okay. Well, no, no, no. He's on uh, No, because he is Where Do They Make Balloons, where he sings. Oh, and that was 2002. Right. So maybe he was already like, maybe it wasn't an immediate switch. Maybe they had a slow transition. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> There's no way to possibly find this information. I wasn't aware this was a discography debate podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, listen. I am definitely not looking right at the They Might Be Giants wiki right now. Because it doesn't exist. Who would make a thing like that? Can we have a shout out to the They Might Be John Swicky? Cause we probably it is should, because we're probably going to be reading a lot of things off of it verbatim. It's also one of the better put together wikis I've seen. Yeah, just no, like it's, in general. it's really well organized. They've got, you know, guitar tabs for all the songs and, like, discussion threads for interpretations of the lyrics of every song. It's It's pretty comprehensive and pretty well organized. And this was even before, like, Everything and Everything's Mother had a wiki for Well, yeah, this uh, website existed before wikis did, and they, like, ported it over to the wiki format. So, so what you're I'm saying looking... is people that like this band are nerds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, wiki page for the uh, They Are Who Giants album, the first one. And apparently, uh-huh. at some point, it got misprinted with a Paul Abdul scat strut uh, CD cover. That's pretty incredible. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Can do they still do those CDs exist somewhere? Can you get one of those? I bet they cost a lot of money. I bet they cost a lot of money. Yeah, I bet they cost a lot of money. I I'm no, I'm changing my vote. I think it would be very cheap. <laughs> you can't have unanim- unanimity. No. Well, John didn't put his uh, his word in. Which John exactly. are you referring to? <laughs> I'm Jono. Yeah. 
Oh, we have Jono, John, Ian, and me. Oh, I didn't think I ever I've, said my name. I'm Luke. I've forgotten the whole conceit of this already. <sighs> oh, boy. Well, gosh. Oh, you know what? That just means Wait. other people have to pick up the slack. I guess so. Wait, who, who's in the band again? Okay, we've got John, John, Dan, Dan, and Marty. It's really... And who's on this podcast? <laughs> we've got John, John, Ian, and Luke. Okay. Yeah. So you really, considering the number of people we're talking about here, there's a pretty low number of names to remember. That's true. One of them is mine. That's true. Too. So yeah. I yeah. have an even bigger advantage. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I guess we should just jump right into it because I don't think we've got anything else to talk about. So we're going to talk Dude. about this first album today. This, this first self-titled album. album. Yes, the album They Might Be Giants, which is sometimes referred to as the Pink Album, because uh, the sky on the album art is pink, and I guess because it's a little less cumbersome to say the Pink Album than it is to say their self-titled album. I don't know what you want from me. Listen, listen. <laughs> There's a little thing in broadcasting about you know you don't. You gotta. There can't be any dead air. No, no. You can't can't have any dead air. It's bad. You just gotta fill it with words, even if the words are completely unrelated to the topic of the podcast or the previous conversation. You have to just keep just keep talking, and eventually the words will come out. It's like bailing water out of a sinking boat. Whatever you do, you never stop bailing. It's the only thing you can't stop doing. Nope, and then <laughs> let's talk about this album. They Might Be Giants, uh, a self-titled album released in 1986, 1986, I think. 1986, two years before I was born. Yep. Something interesting, I think, about the album, only one song over three minutes. Yeah, it's a lot of shorter songs. Yeah, um, they did not overstay their welcome on a lot of these things. And, uh, Some of them are really short. And that's something that you'll see throughout all of their albums. They tend to have a lot of songs that are... In that sort of 30 seconds to one minute range. And that actually was started because of the Dial-A-Song service. Yes. And then uh, th- there's a lot of them on their newest album, Nanobots. And in an interview about that, they basically said they had a big list of song ideas that they'd been working on for years and just could never think of a way to turn the 20 seconds they had figured out into a full song. So they just said, well, fuck it. Let's just record 20 seconds of song. Yeah, the impression I get just from the... I, I've listened thus far to this album, They Might Be Giants, and Flood one time. Right. Uh, I put more time into this one, definitely. And the impression I have is they're experimenting. Like, every song is just a... It's like a, a new thing for them. They really don't have any preconceived notion of what they're trying to do song to song, which I appreciate. Uh, they're definitely a lot of weird experiments on the albums I've listened to thus far. Yeah, and I don't think that ever really stops. Like, they just kind yeah. of constantly yeah. change up what they sound like. Like, if you listen to Nanobots right now, after listening to this one for so long, they don't sound like the same band, other than the vocal track. Yeah, and the vocals are pretty distinctive. They are! Yes. That is true. <laughs> yes. yes. I could see people not like this band on the basis of those vocals alone. Yeah, yes. uh, and the, the last song of this uh, album, Rhythm Section 1, Ed, does pay reference to that fact oh really yeah. I, I didn't get that when I listened to it yeah uh, yeah it's got the line get to the end. it's got the line do you sing like olive oil on purpose <laughs> alright which 
I think was an actual criticism they had received. All of oil. Of, you um, want to go track by track? I guess let's go track by track. Uh, well, before we start, what is everyone's um, overall impression of the album? Uh, in re-listening to this album a lot for this podcast, I was kind of reminded how just out of the gate a lot of stuff that kind of tra- like the trademarks of They Might Be Giants are here early on. Uh-huh. It's not something that they like. They did grow into their form a bit more, but they like the groundwork is here. Sure, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of weird to see a band so sure of itself on its first album. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so sure of themselves musically, but of what identity they want to put out. Sure, I see what you're saying. Yeah. We just had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to keep talking. I'm just trying to make sure that you have work to do when you edit. <laughs> uh, Alright. Uh, like, Jono, you spoke up. What do you think? You're the new uh, guy. Yeah. Um, I think that there are a few really good songs, like generally good songs on this mm-hmm. album. And I think that it obviously has its roots in performance. Mm-hmm. Like there's there are a lot of parts of songs like th- there are lyrics on this album that are not words that are just like them making sounds that sort of sound like words mm-hmm. um, and not really for a purpose but to fill in a space where lyrics right might go uh-huh. or at least not a purpose that I detected for the, whatever the song was trying to do sure um, so it seems obvious to me that there were supplementary things going on in the course of them doing these songs live that added a lot. To what they were doing, mm-hmm. um, but I think that there are there's one song on this album that I think is like a great song, full stop. And I'm sure it was the biggest hit off of this album, which is something we should look up at some point. Yeah, I think um, you're probably right. And you, uh, you think it is? Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll let it uh, let it come up in the track by track. Okay. Uh, but actually, I, actually, everyone should guess what track is my favorite track on this album. I already know. Boat so of I'm car. Boat of car. Boat of car. Yeah, Bodokar. Yeah, that's right, Bodokar. No, actually, Toddler Highway. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you. Uh, <laughs> see, okay. I don't think... See, now I'm concerned that think... you've mentioned Bodokar and Toddler Highway back-to-back, because I really, really like Bodokar, and Toddler Highway's yeah. kind of throwaway. I See, the thing is, I don't think there's a single song on this album I dislike. Like, this was, this was not my first TMBG album, uh-huh. but I... Came to this one kind of like still early on in my listening experience with them, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite albums overall. Uh, I think there are weaker songs on this one, yeah. obviously. Are, and yet, I don't like it's probably just because I listened to this so many times as a teenager, but even the songs that are like really weird and out there and things I think I wouldn't listen to on their own. I really like just in the context of the entire thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would say my general impression is that it's it's pretty good. I like it. Um, I think that in a lot of ways it feels like they are... Uh, I think you're right that in terms of like what they want to do, they're pretty set in that at this point, but I think they have... To work a little more to to get to the level that they want to be at, and I think they hit it in Lincoln, which is one of my favorite albums that they've got. 
But I, I think this one's a little rougher around the edges. And um, I, I think there's a little bit of a problem with all their older songs, you know, because they don't have a live band with them. They tend to sound sort of um, sterile in a way that... And sometimes that works well with the song. And they either manage to transcend that and sound good just generally, or they sound... They kind of incorporate that kind of sterility into the overall tone of the song. But there are a few that feel like, okay, this would be way better with, like, a live band. And I... Like, there are live versions of some of the songs on here that are some of my favorites that they've done, whereas the versions on this album maybe I, I'm not as into. Um, so that's my feeling. Okay. All right, track by uh, track? Track by track. So got the album opener here. Everything right is wrong again. I'm playing it. Any second now. I should okay. probably... I should have... Okay, there we go. iTunes is slagging out on me. So I've got the Wikipedia page open here for... Uh, I don't, know, I don't actually know how loud this sounds because I've got headphones on. Is this overpowering? No, it's good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got the Wikipedia page open for uh, the movie The Long, Long Trailer, which this song <laughs> references. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm going to shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's distracting me. Uh, Nikki Collini and his new bride Tracy buy, despite Nikki's extreme reluctance and dire predictions, a large trailer home so they can save money that would otherwise be spent on a house. They plan to travel around the USA to civil engineering projects on which Nikki is employed. Nikki and Tacy must buy a more powerful car to tow the trailer and the money spent starts to mount up. The honeymoon trip to the Sierra Nevada mountains rapidly becomes a catalog of disasters. These include Tracy's attempts to cook dinner in a moving rocking trailer, and later a cliffhanging ride on a narrow road through the mountains. <coughs> With the trailer weighed down by many rock specimens and canned food she's collected. After they arrive at the home of Tracy's aunt and uncle with other relatives and neighbors who are gathered watching, Nikki accidentally backs the trailer into their host's carport, partially destroying it as well as a prized rosebush. Later, after turning on an old logging road, Nikki tries to level the trailer at night while stuck in the mud during a rainstorm. Relations deteriorate between the couple, and finally Tracy storms off in a huff. But in the end, they are tearfully reunited. This sounds like the most boring movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> sounds incredibly boring. Thank you for boring. describing it in exhausting detail. Yeah, well, I'm yes. the Wikipedia Bluster. Oh, it starred Lucille Ball. Huh. And oh, Desi. That's weird. And Desi Arnaz. So, huh. That's all right. Yeah. I I personally love Lucy. Yeah, I mean I think yeah. I think most people do. Uh so I think this song is probably like a fan favorite. Really? Like, I feel like this is a song they might play at shows. Like I... even today and people would like it. Is that is that off base? I, I think it might like, be. Like this feels like a fully formed song to me in a way that other stuff on this album isn't. This is one of the ones that I thought was better than m- most of the album. Huh. I have a short list of five songs that I thought were. Okay, this is on your list of five? Yeah. Okay, huh. I think this song... I think this song's fantastic, but I'm not necessarily necessarily sure if it's in 
like the band's current rotation so much. Yeah, I don't really think so. Um, I mean, it's it's been in their current rotation recently because they've been playing the first album a lot. Enough that they put out a live album of recordings from different concerts where they did all of the songs from the first album. But, I mean, outside of that, I don't know if they, they play it super often. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard them play it live. Yeah, I, I yeah. haven't heard him play it live at the ones I went to. And then, of course, we have... This is the song that... Uh, it's not a direct parody, but Weird Al Yankovic did a uh, style parody of They Might Be Giants based on this song called Everything yeah. You Know Is Wrong. I was going to say, this song sounds a lot like that song. Yeah, this is that's definitely the main song that this was inspired by. Yep, that sounds like Weird Al. Yeah, it sure does. Confirmed. Now, ironically, I think that is one of Weird Al's more commonly played songs. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I thought that. Maybe. Maybe I thought that I had heard it, and I'd actually just heard the Weird Al version. Maybe. That might be the case. It's weird. I never thought... I knew that Weird Al version, but I didn't know it as a parody of Vampire Be Giants, and once I knew it was kind of obvious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I remember kind of having the same thing. I was like, that's... Really? That's what they might be giants pretty? I don't see it. Oh, oh, okay, yep, alright. When I heard this song, I looked up which came out first. Because I wasn't sure if it was yeah. like them doing a Weird Al thing, or oh, wow. Weird Al doing a They Might Be Giants thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that came out in like 94, so... Yeah, yeah, it was way later. Yeah. Now that you've described the film that they reference, uh-huh. it's, and looking at the lyrics, it's there's a lot of references to that film, it seems. Oh, gosh, now I have to go back and look at the lyrics of it. Uh, such as all the dishes got broken and the car kept driving. Well, yeah, that's how it, that's the description of how this is like a long, long trailer. Uh, oh, I accidentally googled everything you know is wrong instead of everything right is wrong again. It can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. <laughs> Tell your family. Oh, or the line every five and nine's been gained and spent. Well, yeah, and I was gonna say this is like kind of right out of the gate. They are getting into sort of the weird kind of wordplay stuff that they they do because a lot of this song, like the lines of the lyrics, are just uh, like contradictions, like you know, five as opposed to a dime. Which is ten You've heard the voice that made the silent noise. Yeah, yeah, or uh, float upstream. You can't do I that. I think my. I think my very favorite part of this song, which we didn't get to in the listening, uh-huh. is about halfway through. They go. And now the song is over now. And then they keep repeating that line. And then they stop. But then they start up the song again. Yeah. Even weirder than before. And that's just like one of the things I love about the band. Yep. That is is a thing that they do. I will find that part of the song. Yeah, like meta commentary on the song within the song. Hold on, let's... That happens again on number three. Yes, absolutely. Number three, number three. Here we go. And that keeps going. They lied. Yeah. <laughs> so we already Liars. know on the first song they're they're lying to us. We can't trust these. We Do we know if giants are generally honest? Because this could lend oh, some kind yeah, of clue toward the principal question of the podcast. That's true. 
We know that the, the, this band is dishonest. We still don't know if they're giants, but we're, we're getting closer. We're moving. We're feeling through the woods of their discography to come to a, a clean answer to this question. We have, yeah, you're right. We found the first clue. I'm putting that in my notes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm maybe in a minority. I, I think this song is okay, but I'm not... Uh, I don't love it, actually. It feels... This is one of the ones that, to me, feels, uh, like I was talking about, like it's a little too... I'm trying to find the right word. Like, too clean cut in a way that it's too, like... Um, on the nose? Not even on the nose, just the way that, like, it, it feels very artificial to me. Uh, in a way that I, I, I think it... You mean um, in how it actually sounds recorded? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it, it's something to me where I think if they recorded a version with the live band they've got now, I'd probably like it a lot more. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably like it a bit more than you. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd always kind of dance when the song comes on. Okay. But I can definitely see that. it. There is that feeling yeah. of kind of artificialness and that's the thing the the healing doesn't stop the feeling i made a reference to the lyrics which i i i will say i like that lyric a lot i think that is a a nice little twist of words okay god damn it you guys all right so (laughs) it sounds like we're ready to go on to the second track it sounds like it this is put your hand if you want to do if you want to do this podcast by yourself, then you can do so. That's what I'm saying. I'm, try- I'm trying not to do it by myself, and I stopped talking, and there's just silence. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that's just us punishing you for your cruel words. For my hubris. Yeah. All right. learn. Yeah. Okay, well, then. Moving Why don't on. you just shut up and put your hand inside the puppet head? I'm doing it. This is track number two off of this album, which is put your hand inside the puppet head. As they're recorded on this album, I think this might be my favorite song on it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There are songs that I like better, but I like different versions of them better than this. Interesting. Because I'm going to be honest, this, I don't think the song does a lot for me. Really? All right. Well, we already have friction here. I don't like it very much either. Wow. Uh, wow. It doesn't resonate with me in any big way, uh-huh. uh, musically or in terms of the lyrics at all. I don't know. I just felt really like this is probably the way I f- you feel about everything. Right is wrong again. I feel about this song. Okay, where it just seems to be there and not be saying anything about anything in any way. Oh, see, I I kind of disagree with that because I feel like this is a. Uh... Uh, they've got certain themes that they hit on lyrically. Uh, pretty repeatedly, and one of the big ones that John Flansburg hits on, which that is the person singing on this song, Jono, because you don't know their voices distinctly. You just know there's two guys. That's John yeah, Flansburg. Yeah, there's the guy with the, the... the guy that sounds like a Muppet, and the guy that sounds like a larger Muppet. There's the guy with the square glasses <laughs> and the guy with the doofy hair. This is the guy with the square glasses. Okay, I can't... You know I can't see them, right? I'm going to say... 
I'm just checking because you offered that advice, so it's supposed to be. Well, helpful. no, you can see them though because you can see uh, you can see Ian's Skype avatar, which is both of them. Although I, I will that's... grant you that John Flansburg does not have his square glasses on in that picture. <laughs> so. Yeah, look, pretty sure that picture is from 1886. <laughs> not I... even 1986. They went all the way back. Yeah, this is this is them playing at the Civil War. Yeah, the, this album came out on the centennial anniversary of when they actually wrote this song. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I never knew. I, yep. So, with this song, I think there are moments in the song I like, but overall the song just doesn't do a lot for me. Mm. Uh, I especially uh, like the uh, the spoken bit that then goes to uh, John Flanberg yelling, quit my job. Right, yeah. That then goes back into the verse, mm-hmm. but other than that moment, like it just this song doesn't do anything for me. It's wow. I just feel like they're kind of babbling on. Like none of the lyrics connect to me. Not even like just to me, but to each other. Really? I, yeah, I, I don't feel that way about it at all. Like it, whether or not it connects with you is obviously completely subjective. But I don't know. The, there's like a through line in it with. The idea of, like, being afraid, it, it's kind of the the thing with their f- name that we talked about, where being afraid of doing what you want to do versus not, like, wanting to, like, waste your time doing shit you don't care about just because you make money from it. Well, there is the line, do the dumb things I gotta do. Well, yeah, and you've got, like, you know, ads in the, yeah, I feel like a dickwad reciting spoken verb like lyrics from this song like ads in the subway are what what the work is someone trying to please their boss and even though the guy's a pig all he wants is to please someone else like you know it's it's a it's a through line with it i don't know i enjoy it Fuck yeah there all. may be a <laughs> 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 defensive already <laughs> like there may be more to it that i just didn't get from the song but it, mm-hmm. it uh it didn't. It didn't. I. I didn't get that from it. Listening okay. to it a few times. Yeah. Ago. Right, well, that's totally fair. I think I got off track when I was talking about it. But one of the the themes that kind of John Flansburg puts into a lot of his songs over time is uh, having shitty day jobs versus like that kind of get in the way of what you want to do and and figuring out how to quit them to pursue things you actually want to do like just off the top of my head like sleeping in the flowers off of john henry is another song that hits on that a lot well he famously had a really shitty day job yeah uh, yeah i mean i'm sure it's it relates to uh I, I could guess that without even knowing what he did he worked at a coffee shop right he worked at a coffee shop but he also uh for a while worked uh in the subway counting people who came in oh god <laughs> that does sound really terrible and so he has stated that, like, he wrote a lot of songs when he was down there. Yeah, I'll bet. That is some Kafka-esque shit right there. That is, yeah. yes. All right, well, uh, you know what? You know who else thought this was pretty good? I, well, I actually don't know who would be responsible for this, but it was, like, one of the singles off of this album, so I'm right. It was their first music video. It was their first music video, where they're just I was gonna say, dancing around like, in an abandoned train yard. I was going to say, like... This is possibly my second favorite song off the album, but okay, yeah, I'd I can say, work with that. But I'd say the music video is probably half the enjoyment of it for me. Ah, it's that's just, fair. Yeah, 
super spontaneous and goofy. I just love it. Well, and they were talking on the commentary for it on their like music video DVD thing. The bridge of it where kind of all the colors go weird and crazy. They accomplished that by literally taking the film reel and spending an entire weekend coloring in every frame by hand with a marker. It's really crazy how much the videos changed over the course of this album. How do you mean? Like, to go from this to, like, She's a Hotel Detective. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah. It's like, this is something that nowadays would be put on YouTube. Right. Yeah, that's true. But, and you'd probably look in and go, like, well, that's interesting, but that was one guy with, that's two guys with a camera. That's two guys with a camera and, like, just look at all that tea they're wasting. They're just pouring it all over the ground. Anyway. Uh, In honor of our American forefathers. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. They they are big history buffs. Yeah, which we'll find out later. But, uh, yeah, then we've got uh, the third song on this album. is just called Number Three. This song. I think this song's a lot of fun. It's kind of dopey and silly, but it's yeah. it's fun to listen to. They really... I, I appreciate how much they go with the joke, because even on the demo album, this is the third track. Yeah. I almost feel like this song really demonstrates to me that this album is them where they weren't really sure whether they are going to be like a real musical act or sort of a novelty thing. Uh-huh. Like, the, there's the the roots they have in the performance and then there's them trying to do full-fledged songs in in different places on the album and this is sort of indicative of how they can have a song that is just a joke like one extended joke right and still make it work in some capacity because i think there are interesting musical elements that song and the pastiche that it's going for it does well but it also doesn't just replicate it Right, yeah, and I think it's also noteworthy that this is a pretty huge swerve musically from the first two songs. Yes. Like, this is just something that is not the same kind of music. Yeah, you got the comp- saxophone in there. Yeah, and it's kind of like got like a country twang to it. Yeah. Which, I, I, they've done a few country-style songs, and I never end up liking their particular version, but I do like this. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, I I don't know how much there's not much to to say say about this song. Yeah. It's it's pretty, it's a, it's a joke, you know, and it's a funny joke, but. The first time you listen to it, and the next time you listen to it, you go, oh, I remember that. That was funny. And then you will click next. I don't know. I like it. I wanted. It's it's short enough that I don't feel compelled to skip it. By the time I get it out of my pocket, the song's already almost done. Yeah. Yeah. It's a minute and 30 seconds. It's not, you know, yeah. But uh, now we're up to the the next single on this album, which is Don't Let's Start.
yeah, this this song's really great. Yeah, it's probably my second favorite on the album. Okay. Uh, and I'd say I, good. Uh, I think it's probably tied with Puppet Head for me. Like, and I love them a lot both. Okay. Yeah. This is the best song on this album, guys. It's the best one. All right. Make your I'd case. I'd go so far as to say probably in their best top five overall. Yeah, this is just a good song. Like, it, regardless of context, like it, it's just a good song all the way through. It has it's very simple, mm-hmm. but it also has lyrical depth in a way that a lot of their other stuff doesn't, and it communicates something about them as people, or at least the person who wrote the lyrics as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get a sense of who that person is. Like, I identify with them in a, a little bit through this song and the emotional turmoil it's trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this is a, 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 a great song on this album. See, it's interesting to me. I, I'll say musically, I think this song's terrific. But it's interesting to me that you feel like there's a lot of lyrical depth to this where I feel like it gets a little... Oh, uh, sorry, we've got to take a break. Yes. Eustace, Muriel, somebody's at the door. Creepy, surreal, someone better get the door. Someone better get the door. Who's gonna get the door? Courage the cowardly dog. Courage the cowardly dog. Something horrible wants to destroy our humble. Nowhere. Check. Who will protect our home? Someone protect our home. Who will protect our home? Courage the cowardly dog. Courage the cowardly dog. Yeah, John, it's interesting to me that you, uh, I could have done it, but now I'm thinking about the fact that I'm just picking up from a 30-minute So natural. We actually tried guessing what you were going to say while you were away. Oh, oh, well, I want to hear the guesses. I don't know if anybody actually guessed anything. Oh. (laughs) I might have, but I don't remember it. Like the band, we are also liars. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. All right, well, we're well-suited to be doing this show, then. Anyway, no, what I was going to say was I think it's interesting that you find this to be like kind of a lyrically meaningful song because to me, the lyrics are kind of a weak point for it and kind of a weak point lyrically for the album because it's some of those lyrics in it are just very like moody teenage diary stuff like everybody dies frustrated and sad and that's beautiful. That's... The, the great thing about that line is the happy guitar backing it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's not as awful as it could be, but I don't know. Like the, it's the part demo of like, version, the whole band's ethos, you know? Yes. I don't know. It, it hits me as a little too um, sappy, and I, in a way that I don't think they usually are. Uh, and, I think that is attributed to them being 
out of college, you know, yeah, young adults. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I'm not saying there's not a reason for it. I'm saying that looking at it retrospectively, that some of those lyrics, like I remember thinking this song was so deep when I was in high school, looking at it, and I'm like, mm, mm, maybe not, maybe not so much. I like it. Like I said, I, I like how it sounds. Um, I really like the guitar in it, but uh, I don't know. Some of those lyrics are a little, a little iffy to me. Um, I don't know. The thing that stands out to me in that song is the chorus, and I get I don't I don't know parts of songs. I'm um, not a music theorist. Sure. I don't know any of those words or how to use them correctly, but I'm gonna okay. use them. All right, I like it. I think it's like maybe part of the bridge in the chorus. Uh, but that that whole section of the song, it spoke to me on like a personal level because I felt some of those same things that I think the song was trying to portray, uh-huh. which is like the idea of anxiety about about the beginning of a relationship with someone. Uh-huh. So it talks about the start of the relationship as it, the the vision I get is it having like the most potential for bad outcomes. I see. Like it. The, the, when you embarking on a new relationship is actually the scariest part of getting to know any person or being involved in any relationship. And for a person with anxious proclivities, that's something that I, I get sure. dealing with and yeah, it's evocative that. to me. And it's, it reveals a little bit of the person who wrote the song in a way that I appreciate yeah, in I, any music. That's interesting to me. Cause I, I think you're taking the lyrics differently than I generally have. Cause I've never seen it as it being, the start of a relationship more than the end of one where whoever he's singing to has done something shitty and don't let start is just kind of a funny way of saying, don't you start with me, you know, uh, in exactly that accent. Uh, More like, I don't want to listen to whatever bullshit you're going to try to spin here. Let's just fucking end it. I see more don't let start being about the beginning of the relationship where it's more internal mm-hmm. where it is them like i you know let's not start right because it what may happen is to okay well yeah that might be that i'm in a minority then in terms of perhaps it's both perhaps it's about how those sorts of bad ends create that anxiety sure yeah that's how possible. It, sure. it makes you anxious about trying again well yeah the way to me that, that makes me think of it's more of a breakup uh is the like i don't get it i don't get around how you get around like you do something shitty that i don't approve of and i, I could also see that as just being a introspective person going out with more an extrovert that might or, be yeah. yeah like we don't play in the same social circles you know like yeah that might be the case yeah, uh, and, and I find it interesting, like now I'm really examining this because it this kind of the same theme gets brought up later in the album. Yeah, with, uh, she's an angel. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely, it does, and I think it's the way you guys are interpreting it. I think comes through a lot clearer in "She's an Angel," and maybe that yes adds credence to your interpretation that it's a theme that recurs. Um, uh, something I want to say is whenever I need to show someone like a They Might Be Giant song, this is always the first one. Oh, yeah. I, I think musically it's fantastic. Like you guys said, I think it's one of their best songs. And, uh, John, unlike uh, Everything Right is Wrong Again, this is absolutely a song that is very frequently in their rotation. Yeah, uh, As definitely. far as live performances go. Yeah. Um, I, I The few times I've seen them, this is always the first encore song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. I'm just thinking of what else I was going to add about this. I had a very insightful thing to say. 
And it's... Oh, no, I was going to say, I... I I'm all, well, no, I guess never. I, I don't know, it's gone. It's gone. I, I guess thought I had it. Say anything I, again. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say that this seems like one of the songs that you were sort of referring to that has some kind of filler lyrics to it, where it, there's literally just basically scatting going on at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's definitely present in a lot of songs in this album. I think this song pulls it off better because of the, the musical skeleton that it's on top of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I would also add, I really like the sound of this song, but while acknowledging that it still sounds a bit 80s to me. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not incredibly timeless. Whereas sure, some of their yeah, stuff, yeah. some of their stuff seems like it's completely out of time. Like in a, it's, it, in a it way does past feel, period. yeah, it, it feels 80s, but I'm kind of okay with that. Like this is one of the only songs, uh, or not one of the only songs, but one of the several songs in the album that feels really contemporary for me. Contemporary to when the time it right, was released. Right, right. It's interesting yeah. because um, kind of the the cliche that people trot out is that. Uh, John Linnell generally writes the really weird, intellectual, experimental songs, and John Flansburg is more poppy stuff. And that's not really the case on this album. Like, this is... Musically, it's pretty, like you said, just kind of generally good and just sort of... I'm not using pop as a uh, as a derogatory term, but it's just sort of like, you know... I would listen, I would hear this no, on the radio. No, that are, that are... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know so, what you mean. Yeah. And is this, is this is a Flansburg song. I'm no, no, this is John Linnell. That's what I'm saying. Oh, right? okay. Kind of runs Because this is, to, to me, like, if I'm listening to this album and I'm the guy that's trying to promote it, I'm saying, like, that's yeah. the song that you're putting out. Right, yeah. No question. Yeah. Yes. And this, this was, you know... They had a music video of this where they had giant rolls of carpet on their heads. Like, giant, like, Russian hats. And they're dancing. Yeah, the music video for this is still pretty good today. Yeah. And yeah. watching this music video and, and realizing the time in which they came up, I realized, the time and place in which they came up, I realized why you related them to Talking Heads, because they were sort of operating in a similar performance yeah. space with what they were doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there are some tonal similarities as well in the music. Yeah, well, Although I, not that frequent. Honestly, the main reason I related them to Talking Heads is that I discovered Talking Heads because they came up in a Pandora station where I typed in, they might be giants. <laughs> So well, there you, you know. go. Yeah, good job, Pandora. Computers. Pandora is sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. Computers told me that there is similar kind of music. I didn't yes. have that thought. Uh, I will say something I thought was interesting about the music video is apparently the Johns dislike one portion of it, oh, which, which is the that? exploding accordion. And why do they dislike it? Uh, because. It's derogatory towards accordions. Well, yeah. That, and also, apparently, they felt it was unneeded, and it was only in there because the director thought there needed to be a storyline through the <laughs> music video. <laughs> well, no, I we, think, yeah, I know uh, we haven't gotten to the song yet, but uh, She Was a Hotel Detective, one of the last shots of that video is, like, the saxophone falling into darkness. Yeah. And I know there was a lot of uh, friction between... John Linnell, the director of that, because that's his saxophone, and he wanted him to, like, drop it on the concrete to do that shot. He's like, I don't want to do that. It's going to break it. What? Apparently, there's a lot of uh, arguments on the set of She's a Hotel Detective. Yeah. But we'll yeah. get to that. We will. We will. Uh, for now, we've got the next song in this album, which is Hideaway Folk Family. If iTunes is cool. I don't know why my iTunes is being so laggy. Here we go. Oh, maybe. There we go. Hideaway 
so this song is kind of weird, but I kind of like it a lot. Uh, yeah. This is the longest song on the album. Yeah. And I think that may be a mistake. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like yep. May overstates Welcome a little bit. Yeah, I, I can see that argument. I don't know, I actually really enjoy this song. It's not something where I'd be like, if I was trying to get someone into They Might Be Giants, this would not be the song that I put in front of them. But yeah. I enjoy it a lot. This I is think the it's, de- definitely, it's definitely the weirdest song we've heard so far, but yeah. it, it, it grew on me when I heard it. Yeah. Like the entire ending of it, if I remember right, it sounds like it's backmasking, but it's not actually. It's them making a bunch of noises that sound like it's going backwards. Yes. They are very obsessed with backmasking. They do They do a lot of weird stuff with backmasking. Uh, I think it's... Yeah, it's Apollo 18 that has Dinner Bell, where the yeah. bridge of the song, they sang it, and then they uh, flipped it backwards, they listened to it, they recited it backwards, and then they flipped it backwards again so that it's sort of kind of going forwards again in the actual recording. Yeah, and Isn't that what they did in Twin Peaks? Is it? I think so, in the dream sequences. Oh, that might be. I, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty and sure that's what they did. That, uh, I, for that one character, at least. And then also there's On Earth My Nina, which I think we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can touch on that now, because that's going to be a while. They have... A song called Thunderbird that they play live exclusively all through like the late 90s. And it's super popular. And they keep getting requests for them to put it out on like a recorded form. Because everyone loves this song. And then Long Tall Weekend comes out. And they put out a song called On Earth My Nina. Which is uh, nothing but a single vocal track of John Linnell having listened to Thunderbird backwards. And... Sing, trying to sing it backwards. And then it was like another good like four or five years before they actually put out Thunderbird. That's a kind of a dick move. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little, little yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like he's being a bit of an artiste. Uh, I think it's more playful than that. I think it's more like, are hey, you guys want fucking Thunderbird? Well, here you go. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I don't yeah, know. This, song, I, this song is an interesting experiment to me, but I don't know if it's anything special. Yeah, that might be the case. I don't know. I I enjoy it. It's not one of my favorite songs by them by any stretch, but uh, yeah. I dig it. Uh, I feel like this would be a song that if you played at a live show, the real hardcore fans would go crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those like kind of deep but, cuts that you wouldn't hear normally, and be like, "Oh man, they're playing that one." Yeah, but I think kind of outside of that, it doesn't... Like, I, I'm just like, I enjoy it, but I can skip it. Yeah, it's something where, even though I'm saying I like it, it's something I'll listen to it if I'm listening to this album through, but I'm not going to, like, seek it out outside of it. Yeah. I'm not going to put this on a mixtape for someone. Yeah. Uh, so then from there, after Hideaway Folk Family, we have 32 Footsteps. So kind of another weirder one, a little bit. This song yeah. is stupid. 
and <laughs> I like it a lot. I like the way in which this song is stupid. Okay, uh, go on. Well, it's like it's uh it's got a weird like vaguely noir vibe. Okay, and it's obvious. I I don't know. I can't place what it's trying to emulate, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's trying to do a very specific style. I like the weird bass line or whatever it is in it. Yeah, that guitar at the beginning especially is real great. Yeah, yeah and there's a, a couple parts in the song where the the vocal flow is also really good that builds with the song. It, it's it's yeah, yeah. got something to it. It's another a minute and a half sort of throwaway thing, but it's one of the ones that I like from this album. Mm. I think it works better than some of the other ones on the album. Man, I am just contrary. <laughs> oh, man. Because I, I like it okay, but it, to me, this is one of the weaker ones on the album. It's very goofy. It's very yeah. silly. I like. Yes. I, I don't know why I like it as much as I do, but I, okay. I do. Well, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, this song was kind of ruined for me, though, why in a that? weird way. Because uh, I first heard about it on about it, it on uh, the gigantic DVD. Okay. Uh, where they interviewed all these fans and they like put that randomly throughout the movie. And one of the fans. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, uh, his comment is just, "I lost my virginity to the song 32 Footsteps." <laughs> and so every time I hear this song, this is all oh, I can think no. of. Oh no! <laughs> especially, especially at the end when he's just counting da- counting up to 32. No, he only counts to 31. Yeah, yeah. there's like 28, 29, no. <laughs> 30. Thirty-one. <laughs> now he can't. He can't uh, climax without a count up. Not yeah. count down, a count up. And now, and now I've ruined this song for you, people. Yeah. No, it's better now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it, it's it's fine. That's that's kind of my yeah. If we can defy your expectations, Luke, then I think we've done our job. Hey, there you yeah. go. All right, well, moving right along. Uh, we've got one of the, I think it's the shortest song on the album, which is... Let's get on the on-ramp to the Toddler Highway. I'm just going to play the whole song, because it's short. probably just take that song right off the album and no one would notice yeah that's it's very short and it's not especially interesting i feel that was like hey we have 30 extra seconds on this tape slash cd slash record yeah like i yeah i mean i don't know if it like the intention is just to have something to bridge from 32 footsteps to rabid child but and i guess eh, you know what no i'll reverse that because 32 footsteps kind of has a dour mood to it and rabid child is really weird and surreal and moody having an upbeat song in between those two is a good thing i think i feel like when they play this song live to uh lower east side jackoffs they probably <laughs> laughed really hard about the idea of having or a toddler or just toddlers existing <laughs> and like the idea that they care about toys like i can imagine like those kinds of people being yeah. like <laughs> toddlers <laughs> The eighties hipsters, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I will say, I now looking at the lyrics, I always thought the line was "take your clothes," as in like the 
like, like clothing. What, clothing? No, but it's, it's the it's clothes and play. Clothes and which play, is... which is like a kid's record player. Yes. Yeah. I guess this is just based on, like, some to- like a Toys R Us near them had a thing where they put a bunch of tables of, like, shit out in the parking lot in the morning. Like, it's a very literal song. I feel like uh, it's like the song that you write when you're in traffic due to something at <laughs> Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah. And, it, like, you write it and perform it in the time it takes you to get through the, through the traffic. Yeah, that sounds about right. When John Flansburg was stuck in the subway, he found a napkin and wrote this. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the new live album version that they just no, released. No, it wasn't, which I do have. Uh, we could. Tr- uh, there's a lot of... The actual track has a lot of, like, stage patter on it. So this is the short album, song of the album. On the live one, it is six minutes. Yeah, because it's all... Uh, it's all stage banners. Yeah, it, it's all them with puppets of themselves... And the puppets are shit-talking them. Because that's the kind of show they do. Like ventriloquist puppets? No, or like, like, like gigantic a, like Lion a, King on stage puppets? Like sock like, puppets. Like Muppets. Like sock puppets. Yeah. Specifically sock puppets. They, uh, they're puppets that they made for... Listen, are their hands inside the puppet head? Yes. Yes. Okay. They, they never performed that song with the puppets, though. Yeah. The uh, the puppets were made as part of uh, Here Come the ABCs, one of their kids' albums, and they just kind of incorporated them into their live shows. I believe I you're you were going to say sir. incorporated really? them into their lives. Yes. Were they, did the... they proceed Here Come the ABCs? No, I, the Avatars are of They, which is their fake right. band they made, Yeah, they are literally sock puppets with cups on their heads. It is not the They Might Be Giants puppets. Oh, you're right! Okay. No, you're totally right. I thought those were the puppets from Here Come the ABCs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Those, so they have two separate groups of puppets. Those puppets do perform whenever Homestar Runner shows up at one okay. of their concerts. I get ya. <laughs> wow. I was just I was just smacked right on down. Bigger nerd. Bigger nerd. <laughs> Boy. All right, let me see if I can't skip through all the stage batter to the longer version of Toddler Highway. I'm sure I'll edit all this. Is this better? I'm not editing any of it. Uh, it's in, it's worth pointing out. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, whoa. We're holding. Someone stop this crazy train. Wait, are they starting? Nope. <laughs> this is fascinating radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Nope, not, not yet. Not dead air. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, here we go. Almost. Nope. Maybe. Yeah. Hey.
So it's more of a song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely tapping into more of their country sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he definitely has kind of that twangy accent in the original version. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is something that is more resembling of a full flesh song. And it's, I don't know, I might have to like go into Audacity and clip out that stage pattern because I kind of like that version of it. I don't know. Yeah, the stage banner's fun, but it's... It's fun the first time. I don't want to have to sit it's four five minutes, minutes long. Yeah, it's a lot of stage banner. That, that album does have a lot of good stage banner, though. Oh, yeah, it's just, that's funny, the first time. Yes. I don't want to hear it every time I listen to these songs. I don't uh, want to hear it every time you listen to these podcasts, either. Yeah, well, well you only listen to podcasts once, though. We know that. Not if the podcast is good. Then you just want to well, listen that, all the that time. Well, that went out the window 15 over and minutes over. in. I, I think that listener? went out the window, like, first minute. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is when really we said good. we weren't good. <laughs> this is this is pretty much trash. I don't really... Listen, maybe we just don't even put this out. Maybe I thought you were a good editor. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're what right. are we you know paying what? you for? Wait, we're wait. all paying him, right? I don't believe so. I believe what? he's actually technically paying us. Mm, no, I don't think that's Luke, the case. Luke, what? Explain yourself. Well, I mean, if you want to pay me, I mean, by all means, I can give you my bank account. You demanded me. that I pay you twenty dollars to be on this podcast. Uh, well, I mean that. I mean, you're oversimplifying a little bit. Enlighten, enlighten me. Well, uh, what I said was that I needed to because you know I, I talked about in the beginning I had kind of those audio glitches and I needed to buy a copy of this album and I told you you should buy it for me. I was kind of joking, but then you actually sent it to my PayPal and I'm not going to turn down a, a two saw bucks. So you know. Next song wow. on the album is "Rabbit wow. Child" because this bit is neither funny nor interesting. That's accurate. I'm not going to start the conversation on this one. One of you motherfuckers is going to have to do it for a change. Uh, I think this is probably the weirdest song on the album. You think? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, lyrically, it's very, like, what? 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 Yeah, this is the most obvious of, like, oh, these guys are from, like, art school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if, you, if you've ever seen the video, it just further solidifies that Yeah, thought. the video, which is extremely, like, not anymore because of the internet, but for a long time it was, like, impossible to actually see. Yeah. And it was, like, one looping clip of Flansburg hugging the wall of his apartment. It sounds terrifying. Yeah. It is. It's kind of terrifying, yeah. <laughs> and then a random cut to, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, the, the face they use for everything. I don't know, yeah. Is it's, it Henry was... Allen White or something like yeah. that? Yeah. William Allen White? William Allen White, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, if I remember right, the idea is that they, uh, like, his face is next to an encyclopedia entry that's not about him. Or something. So they just have giant cutouts of his face in a bunch of music videos. 
And yeah, and it's part of their live show. Yeah. And it cuts between, yeah, that looping clip of Flansburg hugging his wall and, like, three people with giant cutouts of this black and white face of this smiling old man just, like, bobbing up and down. It's, it's really the, weird. It's the most Devo they've ever been. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, like... You know, I, I had Devo vibes the whole time I listened to this. I, I think that's a reasonable way to uh, describe it. I like and it, though. I'm, I don't know if I can formulate an actual opinion of this song. Uh-huh. It, it more just happens to me Yeah. when I listen to it. Like, I don't, like, take it in. It's just, like, I feel like a, a car went by and, like, clipped me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, I'm not hurt, but, like, I'm just like, what happened? Right, right. I like that on the, uh, that live album that we just played a clip from, when they're introducing Rabid Child, they're talking about how, when they, this album came out, they got an interview where the guy asked him what Rabid Child is about, and he's like, I, the song is called Rabid Child, I can't be more obvious, when, no, I, actually, I gotta stop you there, buddy. I don't think this song makes much sense, I don't think it's as obvious as you seem to think it is. That's kind of been their, their how they answer those questions each and every yeah, time. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like they said, "Don't let start" is about not let starting. Yeah, they they just seem to not care about what people think the songs are about. Right. Well, and John Linnell has said that he doesn't think about the lyrics. He just writes in words that fit the rhythm of the song, which I think there's there's too much construction in it for that to be like a real True. thing. He just doesn't want to have to explain himself. It's either like, yes. take what you get from it. I'm not going to sit here and dictate to you the meaning of this song. That's not how it works. Jono, they get a lot of people begging them for explanations of meanings of lyrics. A lot. A lot. A lot. <laughs> I mean, that... I believe yeah. it. Gigantic has a whole segment where it's like a high school debate team debating the meaning of the lyrics of Particle Man. Which, let's be honest, is this podcast. I guess we are, so. the, we are those kids. Well, but we're not sitting here trying to suss out the literary meaning of these lyrics. We're just talking about the overall impression of the music. I mean, I will if I find the lyrics actually interesting. Yeah, totally. Which in this totally. case, it I mean, is not so. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do remember seeing, I think it was on the, the This Might Be a Wiki, uh, where someone had a theory that it was, like, about secret agents. It's not, you know what, it's dumb. As Now that I'm thinking about it more as I'm explaining it, it's dumb. And I don't want to listen, I don't want to explain it. Well, it. It's, the song is so weird that you could probably describe any meaning to it that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Alright, but, so moving away from kind of the depths of weirdness. We're gonna go into nothing's gonna change my clothes. All the people are so happy now their heads are caving in. I'm glad they are a snowman with protective rubber skin but every little thing's a domino that falls on different dots and crashes into everything that tries to make it stop and the mirror it reflects a tiny dancing skeleton song is pretty Devo. It's pretty Devo. Yeah, I guess a little bit. This is pretty Devo, but I think, honestly, the intro of this song with the drum machine uh-huh. 
is maybe the best musical part on the album. That's, that's I'm not sure if that's a compliment. <laughs> this is I, one of my favorite songs on the album. I like yes. it a lot. This is probably one of my favorite songs of theirs in general. Like, yeah, I really dig it. It's kind of the first think, uh, one that really hits on something they do a lot, which is very upbeat songs with really kind of distressing lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, I, think I, for I me, dig it a lot. I think for me, for kind of the way this album goes, like they kind of really like front-loaded it with some really great songs, like... <laughs> Like for me, everything right is wrong again, and Puppet Head, and Don't Let's Start, mm-hmm. and then they go into like this really weird kind of territory, which is like listenable but weird, and like back. It's probably when, more valuable yeah, to them than it is to us. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and when when they get around to this part of the album is like when I'm back on board. I see. Yeah, this is a strong stretch. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a it's a really solid song. It's. Uh... It's just fun to listen to. It's, it's yeah, and this is also, I think, maybe the first uh, mention of what kind of weirdly becomes a reoccurring uh, symbol, which is the snowman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think, it's the art for the single of "Don't Let's Start" that has the snowman warming himself with a pile of burning money and melting without realizing it. Which I still think is the best rock t-shirt ever made. It's a really good t-shirt. I have uh, the hoodie version. It's great. Yeah. It's definitely a political song. Go on. (laughs) I mean, like, it's, uh... The vibe I get from it is that it's about consumerism as people trying to control one of... One thing in a universe that they have no control over. Hmm. Like that's like what the the singer of the song or the lead character of the song is like grabbing onto with the chorus. I get you. I just I, for I that's, don't I don't think it's necessarily supported by the lyrics, but the vision I always get from this song is just like the apocalypse. <laughs> just everyone's melting and you're dead in the ground, so you're not going to change your clothes anymore. Oh yeah, that's the logical conclusion of the culture that they're describing. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Just to me, it, it's always more. I don't know. That's the image that it evokes. If I'm not gonna say it's what it's about, just that's the the imagery that inserts itself into my head. I feel like it touches on some of the same sort of themes as in Rhythm Section One. Ed, just with kind of like, and also maybe like, how can I sing like a girl? That's kind of jumping ahead, but just yeah, like. Yeah. This kind of sense of just like, I don't know, like uh, celebrating individuality, but this is just kind of like, like, I don't care and I'm going to be the way I am, but also like, shit is really fucked up. It's kind of like, everything's fucked anyway, so what's it matter what I do? I'm just going to do what I want. Yeah. Alright, well, that's nothing's going to change my clothes. Let's just, let's just barrel right on, why don't we? Because I really like this next song. This is She Was a Hotel Detective. It's a good song. It's a real good song. This it's might, a really good song. Ah, I think it's between this and Puppet Head for me for my favorite one on this album. Oh, that fading in percussion. And the awesome saxophone. Yeah, I think this tops Puppet Head. I think this is my favorite one on the album. It's like a z- weird ZZ Top vibe I'm getting. Mm-hmm. 
I find it interesting that the song that should be most noir-like, uh-huh. uh, the kind of vocals of it immediately kind of shun that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, they're very sort of excited, yelling kind of lyrics. Uh, you know, the, vocals. the later versions of She Was a Hotel Detective, the permutations of that went more into the noir. Yeah, more the, back, the Back to Skull song, definitely. Yes. Because um, this is not, he doesn't mean there's different versions of this song. They have literally, like, written sequels to this song. Like, there's a, on the Back to Skull EP, there's a song called She Was a Hotel Detective without the parentheses. And it's... Pretty much other than that uh, phrase, it's a completely different song. And then there's also She Was a Hotel, hotel Detective in the Future. Yeah, which is like techno-y. Yep. Not techno-y, that's not the right word, but very electronic. I don't know if a hotel detective is a real thing, but it seems that. like uh, it's plausible enough that it might exist in like a Wes Anderson movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that concept. Well, I, I think... Uh, it has a very noiry kind of. It, it evokes a lot of film noir sort of imagery. It's a know? good phrase. It it's is. Yeah. And the music video definitely taps into that whole uh, that noir imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think you ever actually see the woman. Do you, you just see like her shadow? No. Yeah. You know, like her shadow, like pointing a gun at them from the elevator and that kind of thing. Yeah, and apparently this was like the first uh, one where they actually paid. Like all of the lighting people and stuff, and the cameraman. <laughs> it was the first one where it's like we act, we're actually at a record studio, so we can pay people now. Wow, I see. Uh, and apparently, there was a lot of arguments on set. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about John Linnell kept getting told to basically destroy his expensive saxophone for a shot in the music video. Uh, and also, in behind them for the entire music video, there's a giant sign that just says rock music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, and apparently that was supposed to change every shot. Yeah. And it immediately broke. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. But then also half of it is animated, which yeah, kind of started their weird connection with animation. Yeah, they do definitely go to that well a lot. Uh, not so much in Lincoln, but definitely Flood, like the video for Istanbul is like claymated. Yeah. And then, yeah, just from there. And nowadays, they're almost exclusively. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Alright, so then from there, we have got She's an Angel. So I love this song, but I don't love this version of this song. Okay, I was so, gonna say exactly that. Uh, the version on severe tire damage, I yeah. is one of my favorite songs that they've ever put out. With severe so, tire damage, uh, severe tire damage is actually uh-huh. uh, either that or flood. I don't remember right now, but. Okay. I really uh, like that version of this song. So yeah. here's this version of this song. Uh-huh. I think is my favorite song of all time. Really? Okay. That's interesting. Uh, I think the uh, 
And they say that they wanted to do like more of a horn or accordion for the bass, but they uh-huh. just never got around to it. Yeah, because on severe tire damage, the bass is a tuba. Yeah. I think the... I don't know why. I think the bass is so much better as the opening. See, I yeah, I disagree completely. The tuba is a big part of why I like the severe tire damage version. I'm going to put that on real quick because I've got it right here. And there's kind of a lead-in, so I'm going to try to skip that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the version on this album is really good. Yeah. It's one of the better songs in the album. Here we go. Well, this is a longer lead-in than I thought it was, but that's okay. It's part of the song, technically. We can let it develop. I don't know. I love this. Yeah, I, I don't... That horn just doesn't do it for me. I think the bass guitar uh, is... Uh, I think I might prefer the album version, too, actually. Yeah? Oh, fair enough. Uh, to me, I love how, like, slow and quiet the verse is, and then it just explodes on the chorus. I don't know. I really like that version. It almost seems... It seems like it's a, a parody of something else, or like a pastiche of something else mm. when it's using the horn. Uh, like, it's it sounds too much like something that is not a song by a rock band. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that this is just a song in a oh, way yeah. that is less complicated than a lot of the other things in this album. Well, fair enough. Uh, like I said, it, it's a good song in general. I just... Uh... I think it's some of their best lyrical work, especially on this album. Oh, yeah, I love the lyrics. In yeah. It. It's really good on that front. And like we were uh, talking about, I think it hits on what you guys were saying with Don't Let's Start More, like the anxiety of starting a, uh, a relationship like that. I just love the line from the chorus, which is, uh, trying to find it now. <laughs> God damn it. I, I, I froze. I froze. Uh, the line, uh, these things happen to other people. And just that, fact. that thought of, uh, having such low self-esteem yeah. that when you are given something or, or in a relationship that's so nice and the other person's so beautiful that they could call an angel that you just like no this not me right this isn't yeah, for me yeah, yeah. yeah. no it, it's a really even if i don't personally think this is the best version of it this is a lovely song and uh this is basically the song that me and my girlfriend in high school had that was like this is our song <laughs> It was good. It was a good time. This, is, like this is the the song where you printed out the lyrics and told her that you wrote a poem for her? <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. Uh, it was just like, I had been like, oh, you should listen to this band, it's really good, and then she listened to them and liked them a lot too, and then we both kind of landed on this song as being like especially really sweet and nice. Oh, that? that is just, that is heartwarming. Anyway, youth culture killed my fucking dog. This song, I've always felt, is a little throwaway. Yeah, this is something that they played to get laughs on stage, I think. Yes. Yeah, that, that 
I would buy that. And I feel like the opening, the James Bondian riff, uh-huh. doesn't connect with the rest of the song. I agree. It just kind of goes off in a completely different direction. I'm, uh, I'm not a huge fan of this song. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's... Yeah. Look at the track list, and I'm trying to think this may be my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's not a terrible idea. Uh, like, uh, I guess maybe Rabbitshire could beat it, but I uh, almost don't think of Rabbitshire as a song. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoy Rabbitshire, so it definitely doesn't line up there for me. I'm, I'm looking through. I would say maybe... Uh, it might, I might dis. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's on the lower end of the spectrum, though. Yeah, Agreed. it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, like you said, it, it, it's jokey, and it's not that interesting musically, and, uh, blah, blah. I'm sure in whatever nightclub they were playing it, it got, it was great. Yeah. But on I mean, an album, it just well, doesn't seem to work. I, I will say that just the phrase "youth culture killed my dog" is a funny thing to say. I think that's a funny line, divorced of anything else. It's uh, especially funny considering the audience of people they are probably performing it to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. So then, from there, we have "Boat of Car," which I kind of mentally lump in with "Rabid Child," but I think I like it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Sample from Johnny Cash. I don't like this. No? What don't you like about it? The sample. Oh, really? I <laughs> the only thing I don't like about I it. I like the sample a lot. It's creepy, man. Yeah, I know. That's why it I is. like it's it. It's really... Well, and what's funny is if you go and listen... I'm going to see if I can't pull up the actual Johnny Cash song on YouTube, because it's not creepy at all in context. Yeah. That's Daddy Sang Bass, Mama Sang Tenor. Yeah. I think that song's just called Daddy Sang Bass. Yeah, here we yeah. go. Well, obviously, it's removing it from context. That makes it well, sure, sure. But, like, it doesn't even sound like... I don't know. It sounds stilted and removed... Yeah. Because it is tilted and removed. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Come on, Johnny Cash, get to the chorus. Quit wasting my time. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it, upbeat, yeah. upbeat and fun there, and it's just creepy and weird in Boat of Car. And... With the female singer, uh, Margaret Seller, uh-huh. it or Sealer, I think maybe. Uh, it this album sounds like nothing else on the album. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't. Know, I I I agree that that song is really weird and creepy, but I kind of like it because of that. And I, I think the the horn in that is really great. Yeah, or, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I dig it. That's one of their shorter songs that, ah, I don't know. Part of me says I like it enough that I wish it were longer, but also I don't know where you would go with that song. Yeah, that's kind of like a lot of their shorter songs is. But I like it. There's no one else to go with it. And then from there we've got 
absolutely Bill's mood. And the main thing about this song is that the guitar part was recorded through a telephone. It's literally phoned in. <laughs> I like the guitar part in this song. I always kind of forget about this song. Yeah, it's kind of a forgettable song. I like it, though. Like, Yeah, it's not bad. I, it, it I just... also kind of forgot what it sounded like, but hearing it again, like, I remember yeah. it, and it's pretty fun. Yeah. I yeah, think like... we should... We should also note, uh, the Bill in this song is Bill Krause, who we haven't mentioned before, but he was kind of like the sound guy for the band in their mm. early years, and, like, he's referenced in a couple other songs. I actually did not know that. You taught me a thing. <laughs> Well, the song is definitely moody. Yeah, it's absolutely moody. Uh, that that sounded derogatory. I take it you don't like it. <laughs> no, it's, it's no, it's all right. It's, it's not one of my favorites on the album, but it's yeah. fine. Yeah, uh, that's about where it is for me. It's it's in it, it's okay. I don't know why, but I really like the spoken thank you near the end. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Thank you. That was my impression of that. I hope that was good enough. <laughs> No, that sounded pretty good. Yeah. So then from there, we're just... Like, there's a really weird string of, like, weird songs here near the end. Now we got Chess Piece Face. I like that they put Toddler Highway up front when they had all this weird stuff on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think this is one of the better weird songs. Yeah, I could see that. I think to me, I don't know, I, I like it in the context of the album, but it's not one that I'm ever going to sit down and like, oh, I want to listen to Chespie's face. Mm. You know? So we were just talking earlier about how, you know, a lot of their short songs are perfect length. Uh-huh. I feel like this one either should have been shorter or longer. It seems like it's missing yeah. something or... If there was less of it, I'd feel like it'd be more complete. I, that's, it's a weird thing to say. Uh-huh. But it feels like they're almost to a full song, and then they just kind of leave it. They don't build to anything, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I... Isn't, like, isn't it about like some guy they worked with or something? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it was about real some guy they Who knew. cares? <laughs> it was about some guy they knew, you know. Like, yeah. And then after that, we have kind of the most, other than number three, probably the most uh, explicitly jokey song on here, which is I Hope That I Get Old Before I Die. A lot of just weird sound effects. Parts of the opening of Seinfeld. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This, I, like, as a, as a song, this doesn't even seem like it's necessarily a new composition to me. Like, this feels like an old song that they hmm. just changed the lyrics to and re-recorded with entirely new instrumentation. Like, the the cadence of the vocals just sounds like something 
like an old folk song or something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's probably yeah. what they were going for. It's a, uh, it's sort of throwaway, but it's got enough. Like I like the rhythm of it enough that it's fun to listen to. You can definitely but, clap to it if you're seeing them live. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I will say, I'm, so I got this album on tape on cassette when I was like six or seven. Uh huh. And this song blew my mind. Because <laughs> I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> well, Obviously, like, that's going to happen. Yeah, oh, it's funny because that's just, you're six or seven, so you don't understand that it's just making fun of the who. And that's yeah. the full extent of it. Uh, but the, I, I remember the line that would always, like, just weird me out was. I think about the dirt that I'll be wearing for a shirt. Oh, yeah, it's so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yes. They've got so, a few lines that are just sort of poetry 101 stuff that it's, when you're 14, or younger even, it's mind-blowing. And then later on, it's like, yeah, that's a line. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, okay. Sounds uh, so, with that cassette, I also got a Tom Waits cassette that had the piano must be drinking, the piano has been drinking on it. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure I drove my parents insane by asking what this song meant and what the piano has been drinking meant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a little older when I, you know, heard this. So for me, it was less... It's funny because now I really like The Who. They're one of my favorite bands. By the time I was like, yeah, man, fuck those guys. That's a dumb motto. You should hope you get old before you die. Yeah! Yeah! And... and- Again, it all comes back to you. no fucking wonder I was picked on in high school. <laughs> in school. Uh, and it's interesting because primarily at that time, like the clubs that they were probably playing this at probably were big fans of The Who. Uh-huh. And so this is kind of the first instance of them kind of taking, putting the joke on their audience. Sure, yeah. Where, Perhaps, yeah. Whereas that manifested later with some of the other things we already talked about. Uh, like the reverse recorded version of the song that everyone wanted recorded. Thunderbird, was it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or they've got, uh, I think it's on Flood, We Want a Rock. Which is just a play on, We Want a Rock! That's brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So then following that, we've got Alienations for the Rich. And this is one where we don't have to guess what the lyrics are about, because they're about John Flansburg's dad. This is kind of going back to that country-ish. So there's a lot of those on this one, actually. Yeah. More than, I think, uh, like a heavier concentration of them than they have later. I, I feel a lot of the country is purely ironic. Oh, yeah, I think almost yeah. 100% of it is. So, actually, I'm thinking back to number three, and I just remembered there was a bonus song in, I think it was then, the earlier years, where they sang that song, but they sang it in Greek. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, which is probably as far from country as you can get. Right. Yeah, I think it, the name of it's even like Numero Trace or something. That's Spanish. That's not Greek. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think it's the phrase number three in French, though. 
All right, what do we think of this one? It, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. All right. I, I like the way he says Miller High Life. Yeah. Agree. All right. That's kind of all I got. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, we're at the point where these are all the songs that, like, no one remembers because they're just these weird little throwaway ones. Like, all the, all the like, hits are, like, at the start, and then you got She's an Angel sort of in the middle. And then it's just weird shit for the rest of the album. If you want to talk about weird throwaway, the next track of The Day. I agree. Yep. <laughs> Let's talk about The Day. Is the song actually about Marvin Gaye? I don't know. I mean, I guess. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's some lady named Phyllis? No, it's Phil Oaks. Phil Oaks? Is that a real person that I should know who they are? Yes. Yeah, uh, he was an American protest singer and songwriter who was known for his sharp wit, sardonic humor, earnest humanism, political activism, insightful and alliterative lyrics and distinctive voice. He wrote hundreds of songs in the 1960s and 70s and released eight albums. Thank you, Luke, comma, Wikipedia... You're welcome. I just love the delivery of this. Oh, yeah. It's like the most emotional vocals that are on the whole album. Yeah. It sounds like I think he's a Dropkick Murphys, kind of. Yeah, he's belting that out. And that is definitely part of the joke here. Yeah. Is that they are putting so much emotion into this phrase that makes no sense. Yeah. But even uh, this, you know, just doesn't emotionally resonate with me because there's really nothing to resonate on. Yeah, about the only thing that uh, I have to say about this song is that I've actually only heard it relatively recently because growing up, it was a very religious household. And even the idea of listening to a song that referenced uh, the marriage of two men, oh no, 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 I can't download that. And then finally, like, a month ago, I was like, I'm missing a song off this album. I should fucking download it. Uh, <laughs> so that's the story I have. Cool. Yeah. Rhythm section one, Ed. Can we please talk about this one? We will. This is the closer of the album. It's probably, I mean, I think a few of them touch on some of these ideas, but this one's definitely like, hey, we're a cool band, guys, really, honest. We don't have a drummer, but that's okay. It's a pretty good song. Yeah, I dig it. I think this is a great closer. I think this is definitely a contender for possibly my favorite They Might Be John song, period. Period, wow. Yeah, I just really love this. There's actually also a live version of this from... It's not on, like, YouTube or anything, but it's called, like, the Live 1985, and it's just a fantastic version of it. Mm. Yeah, it's a very uh, energetic song. Like, I, I think this is one of those... Uh, kind of talk, some of these songs have sort of a sterile sound to them, and this one doesn't. Like, I think they yeah. use the, the drum way machine this... in a way that sounds organic. The way this like shifts through different styles throughout the song, like yeah. it almost feels like like a reprise or something. You know how in some like musicals they'll have a medley uh-huh. of like a bunch of different things. Like it feels like sort of a like a 
a very purposeful end cap to the album. Yeah, it's about the band and the thing that they just made. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's that bit I where they of, play uh, uh, Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, I, it's I a good of, song. I kind I only of think this is just like. Sorry. Go ahead. I I just I don't know why, but I didn't really pick up on the line. Uh, you guys were really into the rhythmics uh-huh. uh, until like recent. Uh, listings to it, mm-hmm. especially with the live album they just put out, and I, I really like that line because I I can just picture that they got told that after every show. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one too has a lot of that kind of silly wordplay stuff. Like you know, there's a place for those who love their poetry. It's right across from the sign that says "Prose Only." I get it. I get the joke. <laughs> Do you get the joke? I get the joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get all the I jokes. just really love yeah. yes I just really love this one because I feel it's really just like earnest I yeah. feel they're kind of just like laying out some of the driving principles behind like their band in general right they're not trying to be cute they're just like hey we're gonna make a song yeah. and I yes. uh I didn't I actually haven't finished listening to that new live album but it seems like it'd be an interesting song to have a drummer on because it's a song about I don't need a drummer <laughs> I, I believe, I think I saw the song live once and they did not have the drummer play. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. So that's that's a way around it. <laughs> I, like, I like that idea. Like, Marty, we love you. Get the fuck off the stage when we talk about <laughs> how we don't need you. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the first track, Everything Right Is Wrong Again, off my top five list. I'm going to put Rhythm Section 1 add on there. Okay. Because I like yeah. that song. I think that's a reasonable... Opinion to hold. Well, as, uh, give us the full top five, why don't you? I don't have them really ordered, but <laughs> no, the songs I have general. on there are Don't Let's Start, okay. uh, Nothing's Gonna Change My Clothes, All She right. Was a Hotel Detective, She's an Angel, and Rhythm Section 1 ad. Okay. Is that just for this album or in general? For well, this album. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like, I think these are the five best songs in this album. Yeah. I think Don't uh, Let's Start is like a genuinely great song, though. Uh, yeah, in any it, context. You could see what, that song was kind of their breakout hit Yeah, originally. Like, that's what got them on MTV and stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's really and easy tell. to see why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree with that list. Um, I do really like Nothing's Gonna Change My Clothes. I would sub it out for Puppet Head, though. I like that song. And I'll okay. fight everyone who disagrees. <laughs> well, then let's go. Put it to Have to issue a top five list now? Yeah, everybody has to. Everybody has to! I'm still thinking here. Hold on. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. I'll probably do She's an Angel, Nothing's Gonna Change My Clothes, uh, Don't Let's Start. That's four, right? Yeah. And pr- then probably Rhythm Section 1 add is kind of the same. Okay. Well. High five. I think I'm gonna agree with that list. Good fully work, by the way. <laughs> you like that? Uh, Fantastic. Alright, well that's the whole album, but before we go, I wanted to hit on one more song, which is from the demo tape that they had made during this time, and one song from it that... Uh, all the songs in the demo tape made it onto either this or their next album, Lincoln, except for one. And now we're gonna listen to it. So here we go, with Hell Hotel.
dig it. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. They probably listen to Bungo Bungo a bunch. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The uh, the song Dark of the Matinee by Franz Ferdinand was inspired by this song. Oh. oh. So there actually you go. hadn't heard this song. Actually heard hadn't heard of this one until a couple of days ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, so when you like said we made cover the demo tape of it, I listened to that for the first time in forever. Uh-huh. And the song right before Hello Hotel, which is called I'm Deaf. Oh yeah, that didn't that like that shows up on like a rarities album eventually. Yeah. Yeah, that's on then. Yeah. So I think that song was fucking horrible. Yeah, let's pull it up <laughs> if I can find it uh, separately. Like from. that may be like one of their worst songs. Oh, you know what? I can. Yeah, it's like I'm listening to the radio, like that one. Yeah. I'm pulling it up on iTunes because surprise, surprise, it's not on YouTube. Nope. And it's short enough that almost the entire song will be on the sample here. So let's let's play this. Yeah. Um. So let me do a little bit of a, a script work of how I think that song came to be. Okay. So, so Flansburg, I I just got this new keyboard. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, like it's got like all these like really cool effects. Like I don't know if we can put them in a song. Oh, I think we can. <laughs> and see. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were probably right to drop that one. I think I listened to that song enough times just in the context of listening to the rest of them that I'm completely acclimated to it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's bad or anything, but I I don't know. It's a song. Yeah, honestly, I, feel like, I, I don't hate it. I'm just kind of indifferent. Like, yeah, that's that's some noises. I would like say there's a subset of the population. There's a subset of the population that hears that song and immediately voids their bowels. <laughs> yeah, like that—that that is like a code sound for some people that affects them adversely. Yeah, no, like, I, some I, yeah. CIA sleeper agent just got activated. Yes. <laughs> oh no! Now we put it into this podcast and uh, spread oh. it more than ever before. Yeah, it's a uh, meme because more people are going to listen to this than who that, that have bought then. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I don't know how many possible. people have bought that thing that you just mentioned that I don't know what it is. Because I'm new to the band. They might be giants. That's then the earlier years. A compilation of, I think it's their first three albums? First and then a two. Bunch of, first two, and then a bunch of like yeah. B-sides and other shit. Outtakes and weird stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm deaf. Or fake out in Buenos Aires. That sounds interesting. Yeah, let's pull that up because I don't Light think it. I had scheduled it for us to cover then since it's an anthology. But there's, let's see, Fake Out and Buenos Aires. Uh, that has one of my favorite songs on it. Yeah, of the American Giants, oh, which okay. is a. Uh, hey, Mister DJ, we said you said we had a deal. No, that's oh. on. Uh, that's on Miscellaneous Tea. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're right. Which is a good song. It is a good song. I we'll get to it. Yeah. I like. I really like that song. Same. So, this song always reminds me of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, it's literally a list of puns with the word "fake," and then that. 
All right, next. <laughs> okay. All right, well, I, I had actually next kind of forgotten that that had other, like, songs that don't show up on one of their albums, so let me look at the track listing for that real quick and see if... A, a lot of that stuff also ended up on mis- Miscellaneous T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. Uh, I'm going to try to skip anything that I recognize from another album, but... Yeah, Santa's Beards from Lincoln, yeah. Okay, that's right, there's a lot of stuff from Lincoln and Pink Album here. Uh, when it rains, it snows is miscellaneous tea, right? Yeah. Okay. What's this untitled? I don't even know what this is. Oh, untitled, yes. One of the best They Might Be Giant songs. And we could, we could probably say that for Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Spoiler. Yeah, uh, Mr. Claw isn't on Miscellaneous T, right? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah, that's... It is. Uh, I'm looking at the track listing. Really? I, th- I think I might be missing some songs from Miscellaneous T, then. Oh, yeah, here's Greek number uh, three. Here's what you were talking about. Let's hear a little bit of that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's exactly what it says on the label. <laughs> yep. Okay, Mainstream USA, that's not a miscellaneous team, right? Uh, I can't be missing this many songs from it. No, that's that's not. Okay, let's take a listen to this. I think there's probably a good cut. All right. Yeah. All right. Is now, is now that I have everything on anything else? Uh, it's on Miscellaneous T, I'm pretty sure. Okay, that's another one I really enjoy. Yeah, no, I dig that song. Lady is a Tramp? I guess they did a Lady is a Tramp? All right. No, that's a uh, instrumental track. Oh. Well, let's take a let's take a listen. Oh, I actually kind of like it. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> okay, I'm... I'm torn. I believe they played it, like, before live shows. Yeah, I can see that. Like, on the sound system, like, before yeah, they came yeah. out. Uh, is Become a Robot or anything else? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it I is. Can... I think it's just here. Let's find out! <laughs> I think this is on, like, uh, dialasong.com or something. Yeah. That's where it, I first it, heard it. It's also on then the earlier years. Well, that's where I'm getting yeah. it from right now. All right, well, I think that's enough of a, an exploration of uh, that. The earlier years. Of the, of the stuff that didn't even make the cut onto miscellaneous tea. Yes. Or Lincoln or... Right. Well, no, I'm saying, like, album. Miscellaneous T caught every pretty good song yes. that wasn't on an actual album. I, I will say, we, probably, we can talk about it when we get to Miscellaneous T, I think there are some versions that are demos that are better than the studio ones. I actually like the demo version of Don't Let's Start better. Oh, okay, we're going to get into a fight now, because I, I think the opposite. <laughs> yeah, apparently I just have opposing opinions about all of this. I mean, this is great, though, because... Yeah, no, it's... that's. 
You need conflict for exciting radio. I thought Every... I saw that on here. Let me try to find it real quick. It's a lot slower, and I think that kind of... Like, I could see, like, it, I like having it as a, you know, as a completist. Here we go, here we go. I'm, this is, let's start demo version. Wait, no, this is not what I was thinking of. This is not what I was thinking of at all. <laughs> what are you thinking of? Uh, I'm thinking of one that, it might be, the, oh, you know, it's the single version that I'm thinking of. Okay, it's, uh, yeah. It's the same basic tune, but with some different arrangement. Yes. No, the Don't Let's Start demo is very different. Yeah, wow, that is a totally different song. That it sounds is... like easy listening. Yeah, and it's not very good. Ugh. Let's listen to that some I more. I kind of like... I like the sort of, like, almost beatboxing thing they have going on in there. Yeah. But, like, it's not It's not really a full song. It's just kind of like that one yeah. passage. There this is made. them, like, sitting down, figuring out how to, like... It sounds like a like a demo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. and I don't believe that has the most famous lyric of the song, which is "Everyone dies frustrated and sad." Mm, well, that is a point in its favor because I don't think that's a very good lyric. I think that's a great lyric. Oh, I think it is. That is what a, a teenager writes in their diary when they're sad. I mean, it, it, the song. The song kind of. It says that so that it can put it aside, though. Yeah, you know, know, it's not it's not actually a negative sentiment. I don't think. I don't no. know. One of the last bits of the song is "I don't want to live in this world anymore." And yeah, I mean, the way he says it is so upbeat. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I don't know. And also, there's a lot of play acting when on their part when they're in these songs. Yes. So you don't know when they're yeah, talking I, I or they're playing that. a character. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily think he is expressing a an honest sentiment that he holds. Yes. Uh, I think no, he's speaking not. as a speaker uh, of those lyrics and not as himself. But sure. I still, I don't know. Oh, you're talking about, like, you know, being a high school kid writing in your, like, poetry diary. Right. I don't know why I'm reminded of Pinkerton. Uh. Where, like, if you look at the lyrics of a lot of Pinkerton, the Weezer album... Uh, it's a lot of like, man, you were sad and you let's, wrote poetry, didn't you? <laughs> let's say a lot of it was in the delivery. Yeah, I'm trying to. I I know Weezer songs, but I don't know like Weezer albums to know what's on what. So I'm looking at that right now. Oh, okay. I was assuming you at least have like freaking like in the garage from what you were describing, but nope. I was gonna say at least like like in the garage is a song that like. Uh, it's got a wink and a nod to it, you know? It's not yeah. just straight up that. Yeah, again, no, it's, Pinkerton is him being very sad and open about it. Right. And then everyone hated it. <laughs> I thought everyone yeah. liked that album. I no, it was, when it well, first came out, everyone hated it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then he uh, went on a tangent of trying to make more commercial stuff again. And then people decided they liked Pinkerton and oh, didn't like stuff that he was making then. I get you. I like the it's, good They're really That's great good life song. making stuff for the public. I'll, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at the track list. I like some of these some of these things. No. I think Pinkerton's a good album. Yeah. No, I, I'm saying I think Pinkerton's a good album. But Why are you, you shitting on Pinkerton? Why do you keep yeah. calling it a bad album? If you look at some of the lyrics, they are definitely very <laughs> kind of juvenile. Yeah, I can see that. 
It's it's not just I have no you dog know, in this race. You can have a you can have like really simplistic lyrics and and uh, uh, compensate for them with good delivery. Oh sure. And with you know interesting instrumentation behind it and stuff like that, which I think uh, the the that album did. I think this album does that too on songs like "Don't Let's Start." Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Uh, also, um, there was something else I was going to say about "Don't Let's Start." Now I'm struggling to remember what it was. I think it's gone. Oh something no! I just want something. I just want to interject with. Okay. I'm totally not just reading the wiki article or anything, but holy shit, Rodney Green- Greenblatt did the artwork for the first album. Uh, he is also known for being the guy who did the art for Parappa the Rapper. Oh, seriously? Oh, what? man. Oh, yeah. shit. Now that hey. you say that, I can see the resemblance, but I, that had yeah. not occurred to me. Oh, that's great. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh, God, that totally is Parappa the Rapper art, isn't it? Oh, man. Now I'm just excited about life. <laughs> Sat Gal, the show that warms your heart. Yeah, which, again, I want to continue to iterate that that's a real good acronym for a podcast. It's all right. Sat Gal. Welcome to Sat Gal. It sounds like a, like, an, like an installation or something. Yeah, or, or like, like it sounds like MoMA or something. Like an international organization. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's almost like it's what someone would order in a cartoon from. It's like a different version of Acme. That's probably, like, a dish at certain Asian restaurants that I have not frequented. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, so, I think that's I think that's gonna wrap it up. Does anyone else have words they'd like to talk? I'm pretty good with that album. Yeah. What yeah, I've said. What's, what's, what's your, our opinion on the album overall? Uh, like I said, I kind of at the start, I like it. It's not my favorite, and, and this sounds super douchey but in some ways it kind of sounds like a warm-up for lincoln which is a very strong contender for my favorite they might be giants album that makes sense to me i i see how this could be a warm-up because i i feels in transition from their live show to Mm me to Uh a more fully formed band yeah Um, i would there are songs i like better on this album than any song on lincoln but I do agree that Lincoln is a more completed album. If that makes more sense. Yeah, no, I, I can see what you're saying with that. Um, I think there are five really good songs on this album. And then yeah. one great song. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think, well, eh. Yeah, I'm not saying the other things are bad. I'm just saying they're not yeah. no, worthy of note. If I'm putting together a hot They Might Be Giants hits playlist. Okay, I'm not yeah. gonna put those yes. ones on there. I will I will grant you that. I, I would put definitely two on that. They're like they are I think there are two hits for me at least. I would say three, but like I've already mentioned, like as much as I Well no, you know what? I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna say four. Are you? I'm gonna say four. <laughs> My word. Because I'm gonna say don't let's start Hotel Detective She's an Angel and Puppethead. I would just do Don't Let's Start and She's an Angel. Yeah, I mean, I think those are probably, of those four, no, no, I like Hotel Detective better. I would go Hotel Detective and She's an Angel. Oh, you rap scallion. I'm the biggest scoundrel. But yeah, I guess 
This has been the episode, the first one of these. Uh, One down out of how many? Give uh, us a count. A million. Well, I opened this. Listen, I I put some coded fucking secret Manchurian candidate shit right at the start here because I opened us with everything is catching on fire. The first part of fingertips. There's 21 parts to that. And I've planned it so we do 21 episodes. Oh, shit. Shit. So each one will open with a dip with the next part of that song. I was wondering why you didn't just do the They Might Be Giants theme. Yeah, no, I mean, if I was being an intelligent person, I just would have gone with They Might Be Giants from Flood. No, but I think They Might Be Giants, especially 1986 They Might Be Giants, would really enjoy the uh, pretentious artfulness of this. Yeah, the, the, the pretentious yes. esoteric nonsense that I'm going with. That people look back and go like, eh, maybe they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of elaborate. It's a little too elaborate for its own good. Uh, but yeah, so... The people in Rolling Stone would go, well, they tried that. <laughs> I'm going to put this bumper in the end, even if I don't know that it's actually going to be true. So, are they giants or what? Is a part of the Viking Rocketship Amateur Podcasting Network. Check us out at viking-rocketship.com, where you can check out other great shows. Like, we'll take it... No, I... We'll Take It From Here is not a show there anymore. I had that fucking pitch down, and then they canceled he that fucked show. It up. He fucked it up. <sighs> Visit us at VikingRocketShip.com. <laughs> People never get hired at the website that I partially own. Visit VikingRocketShip.com. <laughs> Visit Viking-RocketShip.com for this and other great shows, including The Friendship, Roll For Your Lives, let me tell you about Homestuck and Games Witticism. I'm on, like, all of those fucking shows because the idea that this is actually a network of different people is a sham. <laughs> it's, it's they're all just, puppet shows that yeah, you've put your hand in. Basically, other than the one actual semi-professional one, The Friendship, it's pretty much just me talking to different groups of my friends about things that I like. Luke, put your hand inside the Viking rocket ship. <sighs> see, now the be- ah, see... John, Jono, you don't even know that the better reference would have been to the song Rocket Ship, the obscure, discarded song that was eventually cannibalized. The whole point of my being here create the song Spiraling Shape on Factory Showroom. (laughs) I would have have made a reference to Dirt Bike. Yeah, that would have been a good one, too. What about Excite Bike? It's a pretty good game. That's not a. No! That's it. We're out of here. This is over! If my computer will turn on so I can stop the record. There, there. Hang on, hang on, tight. They might be giants, they might be giants.